Hi, I'm Margot Faraci, the Customer Executive at NAB Partners Northern, and this is Heart and Hustle, a podcast on how to stay profitable in a pandemic. We all know that coronavirus has challenged us all in different and really profound ways. And I've been really inspired by our customers here at NAB, our business owners who've just adapted and found a way to get on. Plenty of heart and plenty of hustle in what they've done. And I decided I wanted to connect with some of our business owners and the rest of you in our business community and really share the best practice that I've seen. We'll be hearing from a lot of our customers and my hope is that you'll hear some great stories, take some lessons, and ultimately you'll make these your own and for the betterment of our whole business community. Now, my first guest today is the wonderful Rob Kaslick. Rob is a social engineer and he's the founder of Too Good Co. That's a business that absolutely changes lives every day. Too Good Co donates a meal to women's safe houses with each meal it sells, and it employs women from safe houses as a pathway out of homelessness, amongst a whole heap of other incredible things. Rob's kindly agreed to talk to us today about his business and also what he's had to do to stay profitable in a pandemic. So thanks for your time today, oh, Rob. Thank you. It's a great opportunity. Thank you for having me. So first up, Rob, for those who might not know, can you tell us how and why you started Too Good Co? Yeah, so I was an engineer in building services. I've always loved the social sector, but never really knew how I was going to do that and pay myself. And so I set up a soup kitchen in King's Cross. And the um, original idea for Too Good was how to scale that without asking for money. The soup kitchen itself was a standard charity. I raised money to give out food. And if I wanted to scale that or provide it more food, I'd just have to raise more money. But I wanted to come up with a way of not having to raise money, trying to create a business that could just use the profits to make more food to donate. And so that was kind of really the original concept. But how do we kind of raise money to give more food out, essentially? That's how it all started. And what are some of the challenges you faced in going from soup kitchen to viable business? I was uh, I went part-time engineering and part-time too good. And obviously in project management, no one cares what days you're not working or what days you are working. So I actually failed at both my um, paid job and, and too good at the start. And so I just kind of dived in and, and really focused on too good. I haven't had to pull the engineering certificate out again. It's in the back pocket. It's kind of far off and go and shine it off every now and then. But I've still been fortunate to have lots of support and people within the corporate sector to back us and to use us as their preferred supplier. So it's been great. Like all business customers, there's a story there about just taking a big risk, right? How did you know? When did you know that it was the right one? I think when we first started, there was a bit of, well, that's really great. I'd love to do more of that. And it was, just a, it was actually a bit of a leap of faith. There's no doubt there. Like I just said, look, this is my one chance. I really wasn't happy as an engineer doing the work I did. It paid well and, you know, some interesting things. But I just knew that this wasn't my future. And, and when I saw, A, the impact that we're having just on a small level with the food and also that just maybe if I just gave it a good hard go, there could be something in this. And so I just dived. I just kind of went all in. And kind of built that parachute as I was coming down off that plane, really. Like it was really about trying to step up and provide a great service and a great product, you know, as all businesses should. But, you know, to try to do that as well as having great social impact, it really excites me, actually. I can see that. I wish everyone could see Rob's jumping up (laughs) and down here. And um, when did you know it was successful? What's a milestone for you where you felt, yeah, I'm on the right track here? So we started donating meals with meals we sold. That was great. So everything we do, we always say, how do we have more social impact? So... Yes, we were donating meals, but then we got to a stage where we needed to hire someone. And we were, well, actually, why don't we just hire someone from one of the women's shoulders? Because, you know, it's only chopping carrots and I'm sure anyone can do that. And so we just hired 
a lady who was basically homeless, living in a shelter, but homeless and just being part of that, you know, like, and we're not saving anyone. We're just kind of walking with someone in that journey and really to have that privilege of walking beside someone when they're kind of going through such a tough time. For me, that kind of first moment was, wow, like, you know, I don't care what I get paid. This is gold. I think a lot of people can relate to that sense of purpose. But as I said, there is risk in it. And that's where we see business customers making a difference every single day. Yeah. Because, you know, I get paid every second Wednesday, whether I do a good job, bad job. And you guys just take such a risk. And it's actually the reason I do what I do. I think it's phenomenal. Speaking of phenomenal, Kylie Kwong, Neil Perry, Matt Moran, Peter Gilmore, these are the chefs and identities who are behind you. What's your advice on building successful partnerships? Quick story about that. It was quite funny. One of the, our volunteers at Soup Kitchen, her dad is Greg Doyle, and he was quite a celebrity chef at the time. And I got given an award. It was an inaugural Food for Good award. Um, but what happened was the editor um, the next day emailed all the people with their hats and said, congratulations for advancing Sydney's culinary landscape. Um, but she CC'd everyone, not BCC'd. And I was on that list and I was like, well, Neil Perry, congratulations on your 27 hats last night. I'm doing this small thing for <laughs> domestic violence. Could I have a recipe? And he, no problem, Rob. And then Peter Gilmore. And once you had all those kind of the top ones, you know, it was quite easy to get everyone else on board. But I think the best thing that I've learned, firstly, you know, as a social enterprise, to never ask for too much of someone in that first conversation. So he's really looking at, I never ask a chef for anything on a Thursday, Friday or Saturday because that's their busiest times. And I always ask for something really easy to, so simple, asking someone for their advice. And I find that people love to give their advice. And so if you ask for advice first, that's how you engage that person. And if they really believe in your business in the first place, they'll give you money, they'll give you whatever they can eventually. But it's that first step of asking for someone for their advice and just kind of building a relationship of trust at that very start. And then, then the rest will be history if they believe in you. If they didn't believe in you after that anyway, then you probably wouldn't have had a chance in the first place. So mm. really around asking for advice first and then being a true collaborator. Like I love everything that we do. The reason why we actually work with Neil Perry or Kylie Kwong is yes, because it's, you know, it looks good on Instagram and the media love it, but it's actually to demonstrate to that person on the shoulder that we believe you're worthy of the absolute best that we can do. And that means getting Neil to design the recipe for you. And that's why we actually have these collaborations. And when it becomes a true collaboration, I think that the chefs get so much out of that relationship that we have, and then everyone wins. The person the shelter wins, the chef wins, and we win, of course, because we get the credibility of working with someone like a Neil Perry as well. So it's kind of approaching things truly as a collaborative platform. And and something where everybody wins, whether tangibly or intangible, everyone wins. Now, when I hear you talk about that, I think about the values you obviously have. And I do believe that so often in business, you know, when I sit down with business customers, we start talking about forecasts and money and spreadsheets and all that. And that's the hustle. But I think really what's going on for everyone in business is heart. People are doing what they're doing because their heart is in it. And I hear that in you. And I know that your grandmother played a significant role in that. So I'd love you to tell our listeners what happened there. So I think that's where everyone asked me, you know, why are you doing this? And my grandmother had a huge heart and she took me to a soup kitchen on the Gold Coast when I was 12. And I just kind of, um, I don't know, I just saw the community that was built around sharing of a meal. And even today we sit down as a 
as a team, all, all the kitchen, everyone just sits down at 12.30, they ring the bell outside and everyone comes and has lunch together. And that really, that bringing the people together around food um, has really come from her. And, you know, uh, the impact that we could have as a community, as people, when we stop, share a meal, share the same meal as well. I think that's some of the things that we've noticed from the women on the program that we have now is when everyone's actually sitting down, sharing the same meal, that's that equity and that kind of that leveling kind of place doesn't matter where, where you sit in the table or where you sit in the org chart you know you're all sitting having the same meal and I, I just love that yeah and that's what she what's one of the things that she taught me those pivotal moments that you don't know yeah. are pivotal until you look back on them now it's beautiful background for us all and for our listeners because it demonstrates the success of your business to date now for those listening along Rob and I first met actually uh, in March at an International Women's Day event here in Sydney and I heard all about Too Good there. Now, just a few weeks later, I saw how your revenue had tragically dropped to zero Mm. overnight and it's nothing short of a small miracle that I saw that post because at the time, uh, as bankers, business bankers, we were working around the clock because that had happened to a whole lot of our customers. Mm. So I'm interested in how the coronavirus and the restrictions have impacted your business and how you've needed to pivot. Yeah, so it was huge. So clearly the business was set up to serve the community's most vulnerable. We were forecasting to turn over about half a million dollars in catering. So we have three, four people um, working in the kitchen, so four chefs and then eight women on the program. Um, and so that everyone's paid, everyone's actually paid above award weights. It's important to us to be above award weights. You know, that's really expensive um, and we use the funds of the catering to pay for all of that. Like any restaurant or catering company, COVID just saw that uh, our revenue went to zero and and we had a runway of about two months. But literally, you know, we saw the cliff and I was like, what do we do here? And then fortunately, we did a couple of things. One is we kind of went to market straight away to our main supporters and said this is our story we want you to back us through this and so we kind of played you know the the charity side so this is you know we want you to help us to meet the need of our community so the other thing that happened is of course as well is at the community that we set up to serve also their demand increased significantly probably as significantly as our revenue decreased so not only we lost revenue but also the need has increased significantly so you know it kept me awake at night thinking how the hell are we going to meet the need of the community when we don't have the revenue. Mm. And so it was literally, let's put the hand out to, to sort of say to some of the people who have backed us in the past, NAB obviously being the first company that we went to. And, you know, humbly overwhelmed by the support from people to enable us to donate more meals. So we were able to pretty quickly increase in that amount of meals that we were donating mm-hmm. to services and, you know, obviously keeping all of the staff uh, and the women who are already at high risk of homelessness employed and the communication to them when they're already quite anxious about what's happening, to be able to communicate to them that companies like NAB have stepped in to support to make sure everyone's going to keep their job through this whole period was, was really it was really strengthening and, and also allowed me to think a, more, a bit more offensively as opposed to how do we kind of pull back everything and, and preserve capital because we also want to be on the other side of this when it comes back. You know, the other thing that we I've started looking at, how do we have a position in what happens when people go back to work? And so I started researching, working with a lot of the property companies, Cushman and Wakefield, um, and I look after NAB and working with their CEO on 
what it's going to look like on the return and starting to develop some products to make sure that that we are part of that solution when it comes back. You know, like our food, we also have the toiletries and the sanitizer and and we position ourselves as a business and we can price match, but we just have that impact, which is the additional story, which is, I think is, a, is the main re- reason people come to us. Um, so how do we actually use what we have there to have some part of the, the story when people come back? And so that's kind of been my focus for the last month is you know really positioning our products to protect and connect, to protect the, the tenant and also connect them with community. Because I really think that connection to community is even more important now and and tenants or people in business are looking to, to look at their um, supply chains and to look at how we can also connect greater with the community at this stage. The themes I hear from you are the themes we hear from all of our businesses and indeed the themes that when I think about growing up in a family business and the recession in the early 90s, the same themes that haven't changed. Number one, you know, you're worried about your employees, yeah. you know, because they're your family, you've handpicked them. Number two, really important to ask for help. Yeah. And I think we've got so many businesses who these people are successful because they're self-sufficient, they're successful because um, they solve problems themselves, they don't have like a big organisation like I do where you can call your colleagues and bounce something off them and sometimes reluctant to ask yeah. for help and it's so important. I want to go back to your employees a little. What did you say to them? What was your message to them when you really didn't know what was going to happen? So the very first thing we did was said, look, don't worry, we at least got two months. We were open and honest to them to say, you know, we are intending to go down fighting and we will commit definitely to at least to, to pay everyone for the next two months while we had cash to bank. Mm-hmm. So we're just very open with our situation. And I think what, as much as it wasn't calm, like to present calmly and to sort of this is how we're working through this, we started communicating daily to all of our people on the team, um, daily huddles, but also communicating with the women on the program and even the shelters that we are working with and donating through that you know, it's business as usual for us. We, we're going to try to to get through this, but, you know, for the next two months, we're committing to making sure it's, you know, the last thing that the people that we work with need is change. And so we tried to maintain that at the start. And I know behind the scenes, I was like, you know, scrambling like crazy to work out what, what the next steps look be, but it was very important to us to present calmly and, and to try to be dynamic but to present like we at least knew what we were doing. <laughs> so, and, th- and therein is the leadership conundrum, yeah. 100%. So remarkably, you've talked about not only being able to increase the number of meals you're delivering, but you've also kept up your promise of delivering to the south coast, the bushfire-affected regions. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so obviously when the fires happened, I really wanted us to have a position at least and how we might use our assets to support the south coast but I just didn't know what that was going to look like, nor did I want to do anything one-off. Because we provide food, there's no real impact of just sending one lot of meals to an organ- mm. to some place. So we wanted to have a long-term play. And so I, I did a bit of work with Domestic Violence New South Wales and sort of worked out where the needs were. And the need did turn out to be fresh food. And so just prior to COVID, probably the start of March, one of our social workers went down the south coast and met with five services and said where you, what your needs are. How might we, you know, meet those needs with no promises? And then because of the, you know, the support from the community, we took a van down to the south coast two weeks ago on the Friday and delivered to actually six services in the end down to the south coast, beautiful meals and plus some of the sanitizers that we had. Alex, who went down there, read out some of the feedback that he had and half the team were in tears listening. Yeah. Just the simple things, right? Like just thinking that 
I'm now living in a caravan with a generator. The thought that people from Sydney are actually thinking about me still is overwhelming. Yeah, so we've made a commitment to do it once every six weeks for the next year. And who knows what happens post that. But I think it's just a beautiful way of making sure, like, of making sure we, you know, we bring the community with us, whatever that looks like. Because even in, in Sydney, there are plenty of other services, great services that are supporting organisations in the city, but not many in the regional areas. I think, right. it's, um, I think it's definitely something that we want to do more of, um, working with our partners in supporting regional Australia, because the need's absolutely there, more so than in cities, because there's less people trying to support that need. And it would have been easy for you to say, well, well we made that commitment, but we've got our own problems now. Yeah. So I could see how that person you described down there would be thinking, yeah. why, why are you yeah, thinking yeah, about well, yeah, yeah, exactly. But you've made your commitment, as yeah. you say. So for our audience listening today, um, I'm sure there's some who are wanting to help Rob. So can you tell us about your Better Together campaign and what else any of us can do to assist that? Yeah, so basically um, Better Together is a crowdfunding campaign that we've launched just to increase the amount of meals that we're donating. So you can simply go onto the website, truegood.com.au, and then make a pledge. And, and importantly... Uh, we're actually not asking for big donations. So there's plenty of need out there, and I'd rather you look after your local communities. But if you can spare seven dollars fifty, is that kind of ask? Is that mm-hmm. we're asking? Don't give too generously, but but if you'd like to give, then that would be appreciated. So, in terms of going through a crisis, we're not through it yet, but we're certain, certainly through the start of it. And I've got plenty of business customers, and including people in my own family who ran our family business, who would say. If you haven't nearly gone broke, you're not in real business really. <laughs> yeah. So you've had that experience yes, now. Yes, I've lived that. Um, so what's the biggest lesson you've had through all of this that you'd like everyone to hear about? I, I know. It, this is cheesy, but it's just the opportunity. Like I, there's so much change at the moment that there's ripe for many opportunities. And I think that, you know, we're fortunate enough to have some great partnerships and people out there already, but just to drive, there is an opportunity out there and all of this and just to continue to push hard to find that like I think um, we haven't solved it yet but we're definitely what's exciting me is working on a couple of really good projects that could be a new revenue stream for us and will be a new revenue stream for us but it's just just that kind of commitment to the women that we have in the kitchen you know like this is the the next big thing for us and so I, I think the lesson that I've learned is continue to you know to drive and to use the cards that you've been dealt uh the best you can really I, I think it's a bit cliche, but I'm certainly feeling at the moment that this is a big opportunity for us to to rise and to do something really cool. I think that's true business owner spirit. I think there's always opportunity. We see it in our customers every day and it's just not the opportunity you thought it was in February. That's yeah, absolutely. all. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. It definitely not. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks very much, Rob. Thank thanks you. for sharing your time and sharing your story. It's inspiring always. And thanks for the incredible work you're doing in the community. It's really important for all of us here. I'd also like any small business owners out there to know that we're NAB, we're here to support you and um, the best thing you can do is just call your banker, ask for help. That's, that's our job and it's our pleasure and it's our purpose. So that's it today for everyone. Thanks all for your time. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Heart & Hustle. Now, we've just closed our NAB Too Good Co matched giving campaign. So what that means is that we've got over $16,000 that NAB employees have raised and NAB will match that with another 16,000, which means that in the end, that'll equate to about over 4,000 meals that Too Good Co will be able to provide to the community. So great news there. 
I'll be back soon with another guest to hear their story of how to stay profitable in a pandemic. In the meantime, if you'd like to know more, head to Apple Podcast and search Heart and Hustle, or you can find a link to my LinkedIn page in the description of this episode. I'm Margot Farachi. Thanks so much for listening. I look forward to speaking to you again soon.